Hello and welcome to the seventh Bible study in the Sermon on the Mount, delivered by Jesus and recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Jesus has described beautiful attitudes that he wants all his followers to adopt and as a consequence of those attitudes he wants them to change their attitudes, for example, to God's law and the Ten Commandments. He wants them to regard them as going far deeper than had ever been thought before. And he wanted them to have new attitudes towards their religious duties, such as giving to the poor and prayer and fasting. He wanted them to do those things secretly, to keep the private things private between themselves and God. And now, halfway through chapter 6, we come to Jesus teaching us to have new attitudes towards our possessions, towards money. He said that we are to be as perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And if we're to be anywhere near that, then we have to have the right approach to money. And so initially, Jesus spoke about money in terms of two treasures, then of two eyes, then of two masters, and then of two preoccupations. But let's begin with two treasures. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice in verse 19, there's first a negative, and then in verse 20, a positive. The negative is, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The positive is, do store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now where, when Jesus is speaking here of treasures on earth, he is speaking of money, but more than that, honour, position, promotion, academic achievement, status, career, celebrity, possessions, personal appearance and beauty. All these things people value and are treasureful to them. And Jesus is saying, don't store up treasures like that. There was a funeral of a very wealthy man. He had a lot of money. He had art treasures. He had paintings and tapestries and antiques and a lot of silverware. And a journalist attended his funeral. And afterwards, in a quiet moment, he crept up to the vicar and said, how much did he leave? And without batting an eyelid, the vicar replied, everything. We cannot take into the next life the treasures that we store up in this life. Jesus spoke to a young, rich man once who was devoted to his earthly treasures. And Jesus said to him, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Somebody who had done just that very thing, although he wasn't very wealthy, was Peter. He'd been a fisherman. He'd given up that business to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. And he tells us in his first letter, he tells us about an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. That is our treasure in heaven, something which can never perish, spoil or fade, which we will inherit when we see Jesus. Your treasure is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your treasure is the fruit of the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit birthed in you when you were born again. Your treasure 
is the reward Jesus will give you for your good works at his wonderful judgment throne. Do you know in this sermon alone, five times Jesus says, your father will reward you. And the heavenly father's rewards will never be destroyed by moths or rust or burglars. The heavenly treasures are secure. They're kept in heaven for us. Let me read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So Jesus speaks of our money and our possessions here in terms of treasures. But then he speaks about two eyes, two eye conditions. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The contemporary English version translates it this way. Your eyes are like a window for your body. When they are good, you have all the light you need. When they are bad, everything is dark. Now earlier in this sermon, Jesus has mentioned use of the eyes, but that was in the context of our sexual relationships. He said anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. And I'm sure the same applies to women. But here the context is quite different. Here the context is money, treasure, possessions. What Jesus is saying is, be careful what you look at in the shops. Be careful what you look at in the magazines and adverts. Be careful what you look at in the programmes, cash in the attic, location, location, location. They will make you covetous. They will make you want to build up treasure here on earth. If you're eyeing up making more money, buying more stuff, collecting more gadgets, purchasing self-indulgent luxuries, you are filling your body with darkness, Jesus says. Dr Johnson, who wrote the first English dictionary and was married at St Werburgh's church near to Derby City Church, was being shown round a magnificent castle. It was full of wealth. Paintings, tapestries, porcelain, rare clocks, golden statuary. And Dr Johnson looked at all this wealth and he said, these are the things which make it difficult to die. His mind was full of darkness. How great is that darkness, Jesus said. Keep your eyes on eternal things. Keep your eyes on the kingdom of God. Didn't Jesus say hunger and thirst after the kingdom? Keep your eyes on Jesus and your whole body will be full of light. Now Jesus in this section is talking about possessions and money, not so much about having them, but about our attitudes 
towards them. We have to get our priorities right. There was one rich man who was told to sell everything he had and give to the poor. Not all rich people who came to Jesus were told to do that because it wasn't their problem. But wealth was that young man's problem and he had to cut it off. He had to gouge it out. He had to throw it away, so to speak. Get your priorities right. Building up possessions on earth or in heaven. Where are you building? Your heart's attitude towards possessions, like two eye conditions. How are your eyes? Two treasures, two eye conditions. Now Jesus comes to two slave masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now the Roman Empire ran on slavery. It was the oil of their, of their economy. But no slave could be owned by two masters. The ownership of a slave was absolute. The ownership of a slave was totalitarian. Jesus says you cannot be a slave both to God and to money. God's claims upon you as a believer in Jesus are totalitarian. He wants all of your love, all of your possessions, all of your appreciation, all of your loyalty, all of your time, all of your money. But if you, tr- if you drop treasures for yourself on earth, then you will be a slave to those treasures. You will become greedy and covetous and ungenerous and boastful and self-satisfied and stingy. You'll be dissatisfied and always wanting one thing more. Remember Charles Dickens's Ebenezer Scrooge? How he loved his money and had no concern whatsoever for his poor servant Bob, Bob Cratchit, Bob Cratchit's impoverished family and his disabled little boy. Ebenezer Scrooge's attention was entirely on himself. He was a slave to his money and his money had made a slave of him. If you are making money your master, then you're trapped, you're enslaved. A slave devoted to money despises God. Two treasures, two eye conditions, two slave masters, and then two preoccupations. Reading from chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, Or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now in seeking to explain the words of Jesus, I'm not unaware of how widespread general anxiety disorder is in the United Kingdom today. Research in 2018 showed that hospital admissions caused by stress and anxiety cost the NHS £71 million in that year. And I don't want to trample upon anybody's feelings as if I'm ignoring them or as if Jesus is ignoring them. God forbid everyone experiences anxiety from time to time. Some more than others. King George VI, when he was still a prince, was found sitting in a dark room alone. He was too timid to ask a servant to switch on the light. And you may know how that king suffered with a stammer all through his life because of his insecurities and his anxieties and his fears. But would it shock you if I said that Jesus experienced anxiety? In Gethsemane, Matthew tells us, Jesus was sorrowful and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Luke records, being in anguish, Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Ahead of him, the following day, within 24 hours, he was going to suffer the most appalling physical pain and torture, the psychological humiliation of being dangled there on a a lump of wood, naked, open to public gaze. But worst of all, as our sin-bearer, carrying this spiritual torment of separation from his father, something that had never happened in all eternity. And Jesus was as near to a nervous breakdown that night before Calvary as it is possible to be. How then does Jesus teach us to cope? Pressure, stress, anxiety, we all have them. Two things he drew to our attention. He said, don't be preoccupied with your basic needs. Things like food and drink and clothes, keeping body and soul together, if you like. Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Watch the birds and watch the flowers. If your heavenly father looks after his garden and the wild birds that come to feed in it, won't he much more look after you and care for you Change your preoccupation. Don't be so preoccupied with yourself and your anxieties and concerns and worries. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The contemporary English version says, more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. And the New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Anxiety makes you and me horribly self-centred. Every day becomes about me and my feelings, and what people are thinking and saying, and how I'm feeling about it. Let Jesus be the centre. Let Jesus be supreme. Let Jesus be preeminent. Said the robin to the sparrow, 
I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so, said the sparrow to the robin. I think that it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Jesus says, don't be preoccupied with your basic needs. Be preoccupied with Jesus, the king, his kingdom, and live rightly. The second thing he tells us to do is to take one day at a time. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us, give us today our bread for today. Not for the week, not for the month, but provide me with the next 24 hours of provision that I need. Abraham Lincoln said, the best thing about the future is it comes one day at a time. J. Arthur Rank, do you remember watching black and white films with that enormous gong and this muscular man with a striker beating the gong? Well, J. Arthur Rank was the owner of that film enterprise and he had an ulcer and he decided to do all his wiring on one day a week and he chose Wednesday and he had a little box and he wrote all his worries down and placed the paper in his Wednesday box and when Wednesday came round he found that most of his worries had been settled already. Mark Twain, the American author of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, said, I'm an old man and have known a great many troubles, but most of them never happened. Corrie ten Boom, that Dutch hero, hero who, who saved so many Jewish people from the Nazis in Holland uh, during the 1940s, she said, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties the day of its strength. Moses blessed the tribe of Asher. He said, your strength will equal your days. But the old Bible puts it this way, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Don't carry yesterday with you today. That will be too heavy. Don't carry tomorrow with you today. That will be too heavy. Only live today, today. You can't cope with more. So let's recap and see what we've heard today. Jesus calls upon us to have a new attitude towards our possessions, especially towards money and basics, basic need like food, drink and clothing. He said that all of these things can become gods. They can become idols. Some people are trying to build a fortune and make an idol out of their money. Some people love eating in expensive restaurants endorsed by a TV chef. Some will only drink highly expensive wine. Others want to wear most fashionable designer clothes and they're exalting these things to be more important than God. Don't fix your eyes on material gain. Don't serve God and money and the things that money can buy. Don't worry yourself into illness or into an early grave. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, as the book of Hebrews says. And tomorrow you will be singing, all I have needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. For Jesus' sake, may you find this to be true in your own life. Amen. Amen.